This Day in Crime is released every day, Monday through Saturday. For ad-free listening and exclusive bonus content, subscribe to Tenderfoot Plus at tenderfootplus.com or on Apple Podcasts. Let's start the show. I'm Todd McComas, and today is Wednesday. Miércoles. Mercred. Or maybe you prefer Mitvak. Regardless of what you call it or how badly I butchered its pronunciation, it's the middle of the work week. And regardless of where you are in the world, people are breaking the law. And it's our job to keep you updated on it. So let's hand these reins over to your host, Eric Quintana. Looks like the mother is also going to serve time, samurai swords, the dumbest excuse to basically say anything, and don't fight with this man about onions. All that and more coming up on This Day in Crime. Happy Hump Day, everybody. Hump Day! My name is Eric Quintana, and today is February 7th, 2024. So the most obvious top story of the day has to be the verdict of Jennifer Crumbly. The mother of Ethan Crumbly, who killed four students during a school shooting back in 2021, has been found guilty on four counts of involuntary manslaughter, one count for each of the victims killed. In case you need a recap, 15-year-old Ethan Crumbly was a student at Oxford High School back in 2021. After school officials found red flags pointing to clear mental health issues, stuff like drawings of a person appearing to have been shot, drawings of guns, bullets, phrases that indicated suicidal ideation, internet searches for ammunition. After finding all that, school officials held a meeting with Ethan and his parents and were subsequently instructed to get counseling for Ethan within 48 hours. School officials were actually trying to get the parents to take him home right away. In that meeting, Ethan had a gun that had been purchased for him the Friday before by his father. His bag wasn't searched and he was eventually allowed to return to class. Just before 1 p.m., Ethan left the bathroom with a gun in his hand and began walking down the hallways, firing the gun at students. Ethan was arrested within a few minutes of everything beginning, but four students were killed and seven others were wounded. The jury foreperson in Jennifer Crumbly's trial said that the verdict came down to the fact that Jennifer was the last adult with the gun. And prosecutors argued that she did not secure the gun or limit the access Ethan had to it. You can also include failing to respond to the mental health warning signs and not taking him out of school the day of the shooting. Ethan's father also faces four counts of involuntary manslaughter in a separate trial later next month. I have a feeling that this may stir up some gun rights conversations here in the near future, but I gotta say, after reading all the details of everything, I don't think this is the wrong call. Underage person with what looks like unrestricted access to a gun, parents seemingly didn't do enough to make sure that the gun was safely stored, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if the father was also found guilty. Only major difference in the two cases from the outside looking in is that Jennifer was the last one to touch the gun. When this story is updated, just know that we'll have that update for you. I do have an update on a story I shared with you last week. Remember the Kansas City Chiefs fans who were found frozen to death in a friend's backyard? At the time I shared this story with y'all, we were waiting on a toxicology report. Well, we've got the results. The three men had three times the lethal level of fentanyl in their system, plus THC, plus cocaine. That doesn't really explain how they ended up frozen to death in the backyard of this fourth guy who just kind of went about his life not realizing his friends were frozen in the backyard. Police are still investigating, but the parents are convinced that there's more to the story. 
Apparently now the friend who was renting the house is being described as a scientist. I don't know. I'm sure we'll get more info on this story, but again, when we find out, you'll find out next. If you own some kind of commemorative samurai sword, I wanna see the videos you've taken of yourself just like sword fighting the air. Eric at tenderfoot.tv, send them my way. Okay, anyway, not a completely random thought. A Walmart in Vancouver, Washington, got a taste of their very own 47 Ronin moment over the weekend. A 43-year-old man was apparently walking in traffic with a samurai sword. He then began walking towards a Walmart parking lot, screaming, acting crazy. Just as he walked into the store, police arrived on the scene and began evacuating everyone. And then the ultimate showdown ensued. Police called in their ninja SWAT team, and you suddenly had four dudes in black ninja gear surrounding this guy with their katanas, ready to fight to the death. No, that didn't actually happen. But I mean, how cool would it have been to see that on surveillance footage? No, instead, our samurai character just gave up. He complied with the police and surrendered without anything else happening. And look, I'm really happy no one got hurt, but it would have been amazing had the police called in some sword fighting expert to deal with this guy, and then a real sword fight ensues. I'd watch that surveillance footage 1,000 times. Are you ready for the dumbest excuse I've ever heard for using a racial slur? Racial slurs are nothing to laugh about, but this excuse is hilarious. The real story behind this is that a former high school football coach was awarded $25 million by a jury in a defamation lawsuit. Scott Sepulpa sued the Oklahoman after the newspaper said he was the one who called a high school basketball team a racial slur when they kneeled for the national anthem. Scott Sepulpa was one of the two announcers running the play-by-play -play of the game. I won't go into what exactly was said, just know it's not good. The problem for the Oklahoman is that Sepulpa was not the one who made the remarks. It was Sepulpa's co-announcer, Matt Rowan. I really want to believe that Rowan came out and admitted it was him that used the racial slur because he felt insanely guilty that Sepulpa was getting all the heat. That's 100% pure speculation on my part though. Here's where I tell you about the excuse. He said that he suffers from type 1 diabetes and that during the game, his blood sugar was spiking. He said it's not unusual that when his sugar does spike, he becomes disoriented and often says things that are not appropriate and hurtful. He also believes he would not have made such horrible statements if his sugar hadn't spiked. It's like he's given himself his own free pass to say whatever he wants. Just blame it on the blood sugar. Defamation cases are actually super interesting though. You gotta look into actual malice, public versus private figures. If you know the difference between slander and libel, 10 points for you. Obviously your life is messing something. So let's take a quick break to see if this is it. Do you ever wish you could become a detective and help find the clues to the case? How about all of that in a mobile game that you can take anywhere? In June's Journey, each scene leads to a new thrilling storyline. Uncover the mystery of June's sister's murder and find out about scandalous family secrets. The gameplay lets you find hidden clues as you investigate a murder mystery. Escape to a bygone age of mystery, danger, and romance. Let your imagination run wild when decorating your island estate and collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. Whether you're craving a good mystery or looking for an escape, you can immerse yourself in the world of June Parker. 
June's Journey is a hidden object mystery game with a captivating detective story taking you back to the glamour of the 1920s with a diverse cast of characters. Each new scene takes you further through a thrilling murder mystery story that sets the main protagonist, June Parker, on a quest to solve the murder of her sister and uncover her family's many secrets. I travel so much while working that I personally love to play it while sitting around airports with all that free time I have. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The Hargan women seem to have it all. From the outside looking in, we were blessed. My mom was amazing. But as detectives would soon learn, there was a lot going on inside the Hargan household. Ashley and I have been calling my mom and the house and Helen. No one's answering. 63-year-old Pamela Hargan gunned down in her own home. Her youngest daughter, Helen, lay dead upstairs. Patrol, when they arrived, assumed or thought that there might have been a murder-suicide. But for the detectives on the scene... There were things about the scene itself that were concerning to us on day one. Who would want to kill their mother and their little sister? There is no boogeyman here. It is exactly who we think it is. I'm Peter Vance Sat from 48 Hours. This is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings, wherever you get your podcasts. This doesn't happen often, but I'll admit, whenever I find a random flash drive on the side of the road or an SD card in some random box or a floppy disk in my elementary school backpack... I immediately go to see what's on it. I just can't help myself. And 99.9% of the time, it's nothing. It's just some random documents, someone's Econ 301 notes, nothing special. But back in 2019, police in Anchorage, Alaska received an SD card and were likely not expecting what was on it. A woman who was on a, uh, we'll call it a date, with a man named Brian Stephen Smith stole an SD card out of the center console of his truck. After having it for about a week, this woman saw the contents of the SD card and took it to the police. What they found were videos and pictures of a man brutally beating a woman at a Marriott in Anchorage. The woman was Kathleen Henry. Police recognized the man's South African accent from a previous investigation. The attacker, Brian Stephen Smith, is now 52 and set to go on trial Monday for this murder and another he admitted to while being questioned about the SD card. The file was labeled Homicide at Midtown Marriott and contained 39 photos and 12 videos of Henry being beaten and strangled. Brian Stephen Smith has pleaded not guilty to 14 charges and faces 99 years in prison. Wait, does Alaska not have life in prison or the death penalty? Oh, interesting. Alaska is the only state that does not permit life without parole as a possible sentence. Oh, and they don't have the death penalty either. For those of you wondering what was on that floppy disk I found in my elementary school backpack, Oregon Trail. Unless you're Chuck Norris, you're gonna cry if you try to chop an onion. 
And no matter who you are, Gordon Ramsay is going to crap all over your technique and tell you you're bloody awful. Well, go get your butt of water, Gordon Ramsay. What you don't ever expect to happen after an onion is cut is to end up dead. An Indiana man named Charles Culvert is peeling back the layers of an argument that left his girlfriend dead and has him saying it was all in self-defense. Charles told police that he was cutting onions when his girlfriend, Marcia Linsky, told him he was cutting the onion incorrectly. According to Charles, Marcia then shoved a crock pot towards him and then came at him with a knife. At the same time, Charles grabbed the knife himself. He says he became defensive and doesn't remember the other details. Convenient. Charles then called 911 saying that Marcia had come at him with a knife and even told the dispatcher, she's no longer with us. When police got there, Marcia was lying face down with knife wounds on her head and neck. The police think Charles actually staged the crime scene and allege he possibly showered and cleaned up before calling 911. Why do the police think the crime scene was staged? Well, the police think the knife next to Marcia's body appeared to have been placed next to her neatly. And they did find an onion, but it was peeled, not cut. The 60-year-old has been arrested and charged with murder. Got a feeling we'll hear more about this one soon. And in my last story for today, a man tries to rob a bank and gets the full SWAT treatment. Just to be clear, this is the actual SWAT team, not the imaginary ninja SWAT team from before. Just wanted to make that clear. Around 11 a.m. yesterday, police got a report of a bank robbery with multiple hostages at a Bank of America in Bell Tower, Florida. 36-year-old Sterling Alavanche was armed with a knife and claimed to have a bomb. The police immediately began negotiations. They deployed a robo-dog, surveillance drones. At one point, Alavanche had a knife to the throat of one of the hostages. After that, authorities were concerned enough for the safety of the hostages that one of the SWAT snipers shot and killed the suspect. Thankfully, none of the hostages were hurt. It doesn't seem like a bomb was found, though. I keep looking through these articles and I don't see anything stating whether one was or wasn't found. So I'm wondering if this was a robbery gone wrong or more of a suicide by cop situation. Either way, sad story, but glad everyone that was involved was okay. Well, that does it for me today. As always, thanks for listening. Be sure to check out tomorrow's episode with Laura Benson as she takes you through all the top headlines for a Thursday. See you later, everybody. This Day in Crime is a production of Tenderfoot TV in partnership with Odyssey, produced in association with Burning Mountain Productions. Sources for today's episode and full credits can be found in the show notes, and you can follow us on social media at This Day in Crime. We're back at it tomorrow. Thanks for listening.